It's Friday. It's Friday. Welcome to Sports Reports as ordered. It's Friday, y'all. Let's get ready for the weekend. Let's get ready for the Super Bowl. Mike Wilson, a.k.a. 2-5, coming at you with my main man, Raphael Rutley, as always. We are here. We are ready to talk about the Super Bowl. We are ready to talk about some NBA trade deadline. We're ready to recap this Hall of Fame that happened last night for you all, this announcement. We're going to get into some NFL contracts and how they are awful and how they are set up to, and designed to screw the player. We're going to get into all that. And, of course, we're going to hit you with that get it off your chest. You know, what's up, Raph? What's going on? Hey, listen, man. It's doing Friday. A nice little week of work. I'm ready to get into these talks. I mean, the NBA trade deadline was it was exciting for, for a while. Like, it literally almost made me forget that the Super Bowl is Sunday. So, the NBA applause for, uh, for stealing the headlines of the sports world for a whole week. Yeah, they sure did, you know, and I'm here for it. Now, granted, I'm happy about this Super Bowl. This is a great matchup, you know, and before we get started, let me take a second to give a shout out to Arlington Spring Ranch in Columbus. Thank you for holding us down. Thank you for tuning in, you know, but hey, we brought it up. It's Super Bowl week. Raph, go on and tell everybody how the Chiefs going to win. All right. Before we get into the Chiefs, I want to get into letting people know about the nonprofit Broken Windows Initiative. You can follow it on Instagram and Twitter. As a nonprofit that I started with uh, sons and like a friend of mine. Um, it's all about just helping people best way you can. Like I said, follow Instagram and Twitter for more information. And like I said, every once in a while, I'll drop some gems on here. But here, we're talking about sports, talking about the Super Bowl. And I'm talking about how the Chiefs are going to win, not how Philly's going to lose. It's a difference. I think Vegas has a spread at one and a half for the Eagles, so the Eagles are favored, negative one and a half. I just don't think that they couldn't just leave it as a pick em game, but negative one and a half is essentially a pick em. So even Vegas is saying it's a coin toss. I think what Philly does well, can hurt what Kansas City does well as far as the pass game because the way Philly rushed the pass, we talked about it in the game before San Francisco. You know, they led the NBA or NFL in sacks by like 17 sacks, 15 to 17 sacks, somewhere in that range. Multiple guys had double digit sacks on the, their defensive front. I just think that's the way to beat Kansas City is to lock them in a hotel room. So I'm saying, like, I mean, I just, I just have, I just have confidence in the chemistry that in crunch time, Kelsey, the enemy, Reed, Mahomes, McKinnon, they're all on the same page to get that play. McKinnon picking up the block off the blitzer, the enemy calling the right play, Kelsey breaking off the route, Mahomes seeing it, Reed having the the faith and all of them to make it all happen. I just think. That I think that is like a polarizing aspect to their game. And you got to figure you got three Super Bowls in five years, five straight AFC championships. He hosted all of them, two MVPs. There is no, there'd be no other team with those credentials that you would be, that you would consider an underdog. So it's it's a little weird. I don't know if people are just jumping on Philly as like as a hype piece. Or it's like they just feel like Philly just does everything so well in the trenches that you just can't lose. It just 
I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where one team has this recent resume, five straight years, the thirsty world in five years, the quarterbacks on there just won his second MVP, and he's been in the MVP running every single year. It wasn't like he had a fall-off year in, in those five. Every year he was getting first-place votes. Every year you could have argued that he was MVP over the guy who won. Um, so with that, I just don't, I don't ever recall seeing another team being picked to beat that team. So I got Kansas City. I don't have a score yet. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm still kind of trying to figure out, like, is it, is it a one-possession game, is it a two-possession game? Does somebody on Philly randomly fumble that normally doesn't fumble? You know, something along those lines. Is Something's going to be fluky somewhere to give – the, the definitive edge of Kansas City, but as far as like just pedigree, I'm going with Kansas City. Okay. Yeah, I kind of figured that. Okay. So, with that being said, out of all the games that we've picked so far, like going through the playoffs and everything like that, this is probably the toughest one for me to pick so far. You know, um, the only reason I picked Cincinnati over Kansas City was because I just wasn't sure how healthy Mahomes was. You know, and then I learned – don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> All right. Now, with that being said, with that being said, you know, I've been saying it all year. Philly's been the best team in the league all season long. You know, their three losses, two of them came without Jalen Hurts. So they've only lost once with Jalen Hurts starting the game. And, of course, that was on Monday Night Football to the Washington Commanders, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but back on point here. So. Philadelphia can hurt Kansas City by running the ball. You know, they average 4.6 yards per carry. Kansas City gives up 4.5 yards per carry. So, you know, I think there's a little wiggle room there where Philadelphia can run the ball. If Philadelphia has to throw, they're in trouble. I think that if a team jumps out to an early lead, if Kansas City jumps out to an early lead, it's going to be a blowout. If Philly jumps out to an early lead, you still have faith that Mahomes can bring them back. So, the first quarter is going to be very important, the first couple of possessions, just to get a feel for the game. I like the coaching advantage for Kansas City. You know, I like the experience advantage because not only has Andy Reid been here before, but as you mentioned, Mahomes has been here before. They've won a Super Bowl together. Where I get a little questionable is Philly secondary probably being the best in the league, the number one pass defense in the league. This might be the game, and I am not questioning Patrick Mahomes, this might be the game where not having Tyreek Hill might come back to bite Kansas City. You know, so McCole Hardman is out. You know, he's on injured reserve. Yeah. Uh, Darius Toney is questionable, but I'm pretty sure he's going to play. Yeah, the city's running around like a, like crazy at practice. That's what the quote was. Yeah, but I don't know if he's in a position right now, you know, and I know Juju was a little shaken up as well. I expect him to play, but I just don't know without McCole Hardman's speed out there you know, if it's going to be advantageous for them to throw as much as they normally do against Philly's secondary. Now, Kansas City, we spoke about in our previous previews, they can run the ball. They just choose not to a lot of the time. And I guess when you got Patrick Mahomes, that's a pretty good decision. It's not like he's Justin Herbert or something like that. So, yeah. you know, as so as I'm looking down at this matchup, um, Philadelphia, as you mentioned, the big sack, you know, they're the monsters of the midway, apparently, you know, but Kansas City, but Kansas City, you know, has 62 sacks 
you know, so it's not as if they're in the forties or whatever the case may be. They're not, they don't have as many sacks as Philly, but they're not that far off, you know? So Kansas city gets pressure, Chris Jones and those guys, you know, Jalen hurts. This is where his mobility may come into play. You know, we, we talked about it. You brought it up before Jalen hurts. Doesn't run as much as you would think, but, but, but he has that same ability as Mahomes. It doesn't look the same, but he has that same ability to keep plays alive. You know, so this is a tough game. I see why it's one and a half. I agree that it should be a pick em. If this was the NBA, if this was the NBA, see, here comes yeah. the dime. Here comes the gym right here. Here comes the gym. If this was the NBA, I would pick Kansas City to win because they have the two best players. They have Mahomes and Kelsey, so I would choose them to win if this was the NBA. But there's more players on the field at a time. I think Philly has the advantage at more overall units than Kansas City does. I think they have the better secondary. I think they have the better offensive line. I think they have the better defensive line. You know, they have the better running back. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think the only thing that keeps this game close is Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think just having him will keep this game close. So I'm going to pick Philly to win begrudgingly. I don't want to go against Patrick Mahomes, but begrudgingly just with all the advantages that I perceive Philly to have, you know, I'm going to pick something along the lines of 27 to 23 uh, Philly wins. I wrote down the score. Uh, but I got, I got 28, 24 Kansas city. Like that's, that's the score like that makes the most sense. I don't see anybody scoring 30 and that 28 seems like a lot, but what these teams and the way they can get up and down the field, I think you can get a quick touchdown. And what you were saying about McCall Hardman and, and not having Tyreek Hill, I think the last two bad playoff games we've seen Mahomes play were bad as far as, like, the totality of, of the performance at the end. You had the Cincinnati AFC Championship game last year mm-hmm. and the Super Bowl against Tampa. Mm-hmm. And what Tampa did, they just played deep because the first time they played that year, they had Tyreek one-on-one, and he had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. So then they just play essentially that Tampa two, which is just cover two, and then the linebacker gets deep. So you can't throw any deep seam routes because the linebacker's dropping, and then the safeties are over the top, and then the corner. So you, their vertical, your vertical game is basically kind of rendered useless, and then your pass rush because they had – because Kansas City in that Super Bowl against Tampa, they had like three offensive linemen get shuffled around. I think it was only one guy playing as an original spot. So the other four guys were playing in spots they didn't normally play. And Tampa Bay just said, okay, cool, we're going to play the shell. That's why they say shell defense, shell coverage. It just feels like a, like a turtle shell. So we're just going to keep everything right here in front of us, and then you got to beat it. I think they've, and then they had that, I think that same defense was, you know, pressed on them last year against Cincinnati in the second half. That's why they didn't, you know, they didn't keep the lead up. They had like an 18 point lead and blew it. But a lot of teams played like that this entire season. Like everyone felt like that was the way to do it because they didn't have Tyreek. We'll just, you'll beat them under, like, you have to take underneath. The problem is they throw a lot of passes to tight ends that aren't Kelsey. So Kelsey is going to run these zones open. And then the guy, Bell, who used to be a quarterback at Oklahoma. Lake Bell, yep. Noah Gray. Mm -hmm. 
they, you know, you, you get these guys that are just out there catching passes, or you get Edwards Hilaire in the flat, McKinnon on the check down. So now you got McKinnon on the check down, and he's one on one with a linebacker in the middle of the field. He makes a miss. That's 12, 13 yard gain. And now do you just sit back in that same shell and let him just do it again? You got to switch it up. So you give him a different look. Now they run both tight ends up. They take Kelsey. The guy gets hit underneath, and that's and that's how they move the ball. So on those drives when they like they move the ball, it's those kind of plays. It's not the over the top. Because me and you would talk about Harvey. Like Harvey's so fast, like he's not getting, making any plays over time. I think maybe because of the way they play, he's not much of a threat as Tyreek was. Right. Tyreek was such a threat, even if he stopped it short and he caught it. He was so shifty that now you got to worry about tackling him in open space. I don't know if Harbin has that 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 wiggle, that sudden wiggle, but Kadarius Tony seems to have it. But it seems like he hurt himself on that in the game, in the championship game, when he did the hard little drop stop. He hurt himself. I'm like, he didn't even get touched, and he was out for the rest of the game. So, I guess I think they played that way this entire season and this playoff run. So Philly's gonna have to get to Mahomes. Or Mahomes is going to have to like make a mistake in order for to like for him to be have a negative impact on the game because I think their game plan is going to be what everybody else has been doing, and he just won MVP playing against that def- that kind of defense. And I think and I think that Philly will get to Mahomes, but two things that would scare me if I was a Philly fan is that Avante Maddox. I'm not sure how healthy he is, you know. So that'll hurt. He's the one that's coming back though, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. And, um, you know, but I still don't think he's quite 100 percent. And then the other thing that we kind of talked about offline is that hopefully, you know, for people that are betting money on Philly, Sirianni doesn't do something stupid, you know, because when you're playing a team against uh, like Kansas City and when you have the type of mindset that he has, you kind of get fourth and goal from the three. Yeah. Four is yeah. ten. Seven. Do you want to go up 17-7 or 13-7? Man, you got to go up 17-7. You don't right. get down the field yet. Right. And when you're playing against a team like Kansas City. People make easy. those choices. Yeah, it's easy to chase points. Like, we saw the Raiders do it on Monday Night Football. You we know? saw the Chargers do it last season. They just kept yeah. on was like. Yeah, and, and that comes back to bite you because Kansas City may not be a lockdown defense, but they are very timely and opportunistic. You know, they remind me a lot of, the Super Bowl defense of the Saints back in 09. They kind of remind me of that team. They do the bend but don't break, but instead of, instead of giving up points, they just make a timely play. The 2016 so, Falcons were the same way. They, like, they're like, listen, Dan Quinn said, that's why, that's the reason Dallas defense looks so much better between that year when Mike Nolan was the coordinator and then they brought in mm-hmm. Dan Quinn. He just kept it simple. So with Atlanta, they had a bunch of young guys and rookies that were fast. like, well, just play fast. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the coverage. Just run the ball. Everybody running the ball, and we can never go wrong. So that's why it was opportunistic. You get you get strips. You know you get strip the ball out stuff like that because you just have everybody running and grabbing at the running backs' arms and wide receivers' arms, and then Deion Jones ripping it out. So like opportunistic defense that works. I think that's perfect to describe Kansas City. Their defense is young as well. Um, then you got like I said, Philly's defense. They're just so tough up front. It's just like if Mahomes slides out of the pocket three times, just slides. He gets through. He, Fletcher Cox comes up the middle. He d- dips under that, and he just slides. 
And but now we, running wide open 30 yards downfield. And see, and that's the other key. Um, it might not be that big of a deal this week, but which quarterback is healthier? You know, Mahomes did have the ankle issue. I'm still not sure about Jalen Hurts' shoulder, you know. So which quarterback can be more effective, you know, in their natural game without the improvision, without having to keep plays alive, just straight up take the snap. Which would you take? So Mahomes, if his ankle, do you think Mahomes on a less than 100% ankle or Jalen Hurts on a less than 100% shoulder? I would, I would probably take Mahomes. I would probably take Mahomes because, I mean, Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily the, you know, the prototypical thrower to begin with. You know, so every little bit matters. But I also like his receivers, you know, so depending on the type of pass play they're looking for, you know, well, it depends on if the referee is going to let Devontae Smith catch a ball that wasn't a catch. But, you know, that's a whole nother issue. But but I think, but, you know, Jalen Hurts just dark room. So maybe he's thinking about that catch that wasn't a catch, too. Yeah. So, so you know, um, and, and then the intangibles, the intangibles matter to me as well, because Kansas City has been here before. They've been here the last few years, at least deep into the playoffs, you know, where Philly does have those Fletcher Coxes and those Sues and people like that. This might be their last shot, you know. So from a motivational standpoint, that may help as well. So when we when we just look at it across the board, I think Philly is the better overall team. But I think that Mahomes is just so dangerous and so great that they're just always alive as long as he's out there. Yeah, he, he, he can make up for whatever – Whatever grade your offensive line gets, whatever grade your wide receivers get, your Titans get, he by himself is like the force multiplier. So like I said, if they if they rush, somebody gets out of that lane and he just steps up and he slides to the left, where it's like, well, he's rolling left. He's not going to throw it. He's going to run. And he throws some little underhanded tight end or some underhanded check down to McKinnon or or Pacheo. Shout out to Jersey, Millville, New Jersey. Isaiah Pacheco, you know what I mean? Pacheco. So I can see that working in Kansas City's favor. I think Jalen's going to run. He's going to run. He's going to get out of the pocket. I think when he runs, he runs with a purpose because I think Philly runs with a purpose. Like they ran the ball. They were running that RPO on San Francisco like it was a video game. (laughs) I couldn't. I was when I was watching. I was like, "Are they really running?" Because they, they then the next drive. I think it was the uh, end of the first half. They ran it. They gave it to whoever was in the backfield six or seven times. And and side note, keep it at all. Side note, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, stop it, stop it. You weren't going to win that game anyway. You know, Brock Purdy. Last I checked, is not Patrick Mahomes. You know, he isn't even necessarily Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, just stop it. Like, y'all he's weren't going to win that He's game. my son. Like, he's a couple years older than my son. Like, yeah, y'all were not going to win that game. But but let me ask you a quick question, though. So, but, yeah, let me ask you a question. So so I brought up the um, the coaching experience. How much do you think that matters? I think it matters a lot because, like I said, we talked about this. The Giants playoff game – Philly goes up, I believe it's they were gonna they were up nineteen. So I think it was like they just scored a touchdown to go up twenty-six to seven, I believe. And Suriani was he had the offense out there for the two-point version and he was standing at like the one or two yard line and then called the timeout 
and whoever he was yelling at, he turned back and he was yelling. So the camera was in his face. So he was yelling at someone. I don't know if he was yelling at a ref, a coach, a player, a fan, a commentator, like whatever. But he was like, I know what I'm doing. Like just real, just unnecessarily cocky about it. He was like, just line up and kick the extra point and go up 27-20. I mean, 27-7. Unless he was thinking like, oh, because the book says I got to go up 21 points. I'm like, no. You were just fine with the ball up 13. Now go up 20 and keep and keep your foot on the gas. So I think Andy Reid's not, first of all, Andy Reid's not running down to the goal line. He's like, I've seen this play a hundred times. We not, even if they go for it. Have you ever seen Andy Reid's face on fourth and one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Real stoic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like he just knows. He probably, he probably does something like. So, so, so as somebody. <laughs> so as somebody that picked Kansas City to win, you know, you brought up Philly getting to Mahomes being a thing, you know, being something that could turn the game. So outside of that, what is your biggest factor that would, I guess, that Philly would win this game? If they could run that RPO away from Chris Jones or run Jalen Hurts away from Chris Jones, then they'll win. because. Kansas City's playing like three or four rookies in the secondary. I think their line, I don't know if their linebacking core is like, like truly dynamic. I think they're, like they're really good players, but mm-hmm. I think Chris Jones, the way he was moving around in Cincinnati and the way they were blocking him when he moved was very similar to how San Francisco was blocking Hassan Reddick when he was moving around. It was like, you got a game plan for that. So I think Philly will game plan for Chris Jones going to the edge or him inside one-on-one with Kelsey, whatever the case may be. So I think if Philly can run, if they can if they can run the ball, like I said, away from Chris Jones, I think it'll, it'll cause frustration because he's going to get held. So if you run the ball away from him, he gets held. They don't call it. I don't think he's going to go Joey Bolson and start slamming helmets and getting going for that. <laughs> I can see frustration well enough because Philly, like you said, they're running that 4.6 a clip. Kansas City gives up 4.5, but if the whole plan is to run away from your best interior defensive lineman and they're getting yards, they're getting five, six, five and a half yards of carry, keeping drives alive, then you jump. Now you don't, now the RPO game comes into factor because, like I said, in the second half against San Francisco, I watched one series. Jalen kept it every play. Mm-hmm. First half, last, he, he gave it up every play, no matter what. They, he, I don't think he was reading the edge at all. I think it was more of an inside zone handoff anyway. But in the second half, he just kept it three plays in a row. I was like, uh, what, what you trying to prove? And I think that's something Sirianni might. I think he has that kind of, this one's for Frank. Like when he went and won by like mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. So I think he'll come into the game with, with an ax to grind. Andy Reid did fire him. So I think he'll come into the game and be a little bit more. I think he'll make an emotional call. He'll make that fourth and two at the 48 early in the second. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he'll make that call before Mahomes will talk Reed into that kind of call. Like, we, he's like, now we playing this. All right. So, so LeBron style. If Andy Reed wins this Super Bowl, what does that do for his legacy? Yo. I, literally, I hate that word. I hate that word. Yeah, take note on my notes. No cap. 
That's what the young kids say, right? I wrote legacy question mark. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I knew the legacy question was going to come up. I didn't think it was going to come up from you. I thought it was going to something like you were going to say, hey, you know, they're always talking about legacy. but you, Yeah, you know I hate that word, but yeah, it just but felt appropriate to ask. It was coming this way. Um, Man, I just... We've had our championships or overrated conversation you and I had before, and I don't know if we had it on this format if we had it like in a free conversation, but I think we'll we'll reattack that as we you know have these goat conversations and legacy so and sos and whatever the case may be. I just think that he can't do a poor enough job in this game to tarnish this mythical legacy crown. So I don't give like credence to just winning this game because it's the same argument we had about, you know, we'll get into this Hall of Fame talk as well, like Eli being a Hall of Fame. I'm like, his career is documented at 117 wins, 117 losses. He just had two separate four game hot streaks, four years apart, five years apart. So it was like, is that enough? So I don't I really don't think it's enough to really boost it. And I don't think Andy Reid can do anything to hurt it because, like, okay, so this is his sixth Super Bowl, two different teams. He has 10 playoff wins with both teams. He has different types of quarterback. He had Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, Kevin Cobb, Henny, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. He's had different assistants, two different – I mean, like, he just has so much turnover to be this consistent with this much turnover – I don't think this game that happens on Sunday, you know, I don't think it's needed to cement his legacy. Like, I don't I don't think I think it's already cemented. I don't think that it cements his legacy, but I think having the second Super Bowl by the masses get him in different conversations than he may be in already. Because, you know, you have people like, you know, and I hate to keep picking on this guy, but, you know, we got Rob Parker out here who always says, like, anybody can win one. You know what I mean? Which ain't true, by the way. Dan <laughs> Marino never won one. Plenty you of know. people have won one. Charles Barkley didn't win one, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, so everybody does not win one. But I think that by having the second one, I think Andy Reid gets into deeper conversations when people, if people talk about the best coaches of all time or whatever the case may be. Because, I mean, right now, you know, he's probably a top 10 coach of all time. You know, he's probably in the top eight, whatever the case may be. But, you know, but I think that a second Super Bowl gives people something better to feel about when they're putting him on that great level. Now, I know that he's like the next active coach and wins behind Belichick, you know, so that speaks for itself. You know, I agree that I don't think this one game, you know, change like this is not a LeBron moment where, hey, he broke the scoring record. So he's the goat now. You know what I mean? This is. As this a, is not that moment. Hearing that question, sick of hearing the arguments, and sick, and sick of hearing people like the way they was like chopping it down, like it didn't mean anything. Yeah. But the context of that question, you gotta, you don't have to. You choose to break down the the, the thirty, you know, thirty thirty eight thousand three hundred eighty eight points. That's the weird thing. But like I say, you would have to make a choice to say Andy Reid isn't whatever, isn't a great right. coach, top coach. Because you would only have his three Super Bowl losses. Well, two at this point it'd be he'd be one and two in Super Bowls because he had one. He lost one in Philly. No, he'd be one and three if he loses this one. Correct? Yeah, because yes. he won 
yeah. lost one in Philly, then this would be his second loss in Kansas City. Yeah. So hosting four Super Bowls, you've been one in three. Yes. But how do you get the four Super Bowls? Right. right. Because if you're not consistent in those in those in between years, mm-hmm. you're not coming back to coaching. You're not you're not getting the Marvin Lewis like contract where he just <laughs> just keep coaching without winning in January, February at all. I don't know how that happened, but most coaches aren't getting that with one team. Mm-hmm. I, a Philly fighter, I don't know how that fell out. I don't know if it just was a complete just internal, like, yo, this is, we need to change, shake it all up. And sometimes you're just a victim of that. But if the narrative is like, oh, he's one in three in Super Bowls, but it's like, yeah, but he's also, well, he could be like third or fourth all time and wins somewhere in that range when he retires. He would have done it with multiple quarterbacks, different conferences, different eras. I mean, it's not as if the all-time winner, you know, Don Shula has five of them or something like that either, you know? So, so yeah. So, so last question, and this is probably one of the most important questions. How excited are you for Rihanna? Sometimes, like, I really, lots of times, like, I don't really pay attention to the headphones. Last year I did, but it was in California, so the sun was up. So it didn't look as dope. Yeah. It was a rap concert with the sun up. Like yeah. they had all the lights and you could tell it was like, it would have been a crazy light if it was in a dome and they could turn the lights off or if it was out here on the East Coast and it was dark by then. Um, but I just, I can't imagine, unless she brings out more people, unless it's like, you know, somebody pops up from, from a hole in the floor, Chris Brown, <laughs> and or like Britney Spears comes down in the I mean, like it—it it just the halftime show is not even—it's just basically a, a, a concert snippet of a show I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to your concert. Like, I'm not going to see a single. Like, I'm, I'm not a big concert person anyway, but I'm not going to your concert. So why are you just giving me a snippet? Like, mm-hmm. do a show. Like, put a show on. Like, I think my favorite halftime show, and nobody ever talks about it, but I'm trying to make sure I get get everybody right. I think. It, Diddy, Missy, Nelly, NSYNC, Aerosmith, Britney Spears. Uh, had to be another rock or pop act, but it was like Nelly and the St. Lunatics. I think it was Diddy. And and they just were like vibing on stage. I remember, uh, I think his name Steve Perry, the guitarist. He came down. Joe Perry, I believe his name is. He came down, he's playing the guitar. And I think Nelly... And Britney Spears were walking down the runway with him while he's playing a guitar. Like, that's dope. Like, that's what the show should be. It shouldn't just be like last year, 50 Cent hanging off of the thing like he was doing his video from all three. Like, yo, that's y'all couldn't get more creative than that. I don't, it just it just it just seemed you know, like they only like, I guess this is my get off my chest. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I got the name 2-5 when you're the only person that I've ever heard criticize that performance from last year. <laughs> Yo, because I think people didn't look at it objectively. I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was old hip hop karaoke. Well, you know, I mean, I don't want no judgment from the black community or anything, but you know, Katy Perry stood out to me. You know that happened. Or whatever. You know her performance stood out to me. I mean, there might have been some other reasons at play, but her performance stood out to me. Um, you know, and of course Prince. You know that was a good one. You know, and I'm not. This is the one that's Every really. Every year was Paul McCartney by himself playing the piano. Yeah. 
the Beatles. I watch any Beatles documentary. I watch any movie where the theme of the movie is the Beatles. I watched Across the Universe. I watched uh, Let It. Oh, was what's the one that just came out? What the song we've got? Uh, I forgot what it is. I'll, well, I'll, I know this is the one that gets me in trouble because I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan. You know, she got a great voice. I just don't typically like a lot of her songs, but her performance was awesome. You know, at the Super Bowl, you know, her performance, even though people tried to turn that into something else, you know, her performance. People turn all kinds of stuff, man. I saw, like, I used to, I was watching a they lot of They tried to Kaepernick Illuminati. her, but she's too big. Yeah, I was watching a lot of Illuminati videos back then. That was That's when we were in Korea. That's when we were in Korea. That was uh, the, whatchamacallit, San Francisco Kaepernick. Even in the condemned dorm. <laughs> in the heart, in the Harbaugh, the Harbaugh Bowl. And I was watching a lot of Illuminati videos on YouTube at work at night, and then... And it, it always points to hip hop artists or whatever. I'm off on a tangent, but you know, this is show, this is our show. We can do what we want. Um, so that, <laughs> so this guy that I was on shift with, I was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta come watch some of this ridiculous stuff with me that I'm seeing. So he come, this guy named Huffy, he's a Raiders fan, Greg Huffy. So Huffy, so he came in. We're sitting there, we're watching it, right? So we're watching all these videos. So every night we were coming to work, we would watch one of these videos, 10, 15 minutes to laugh about it. So then we're watching the halftime show. Cause you know we're all my whole shop together. Korea, the game came on like 10 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we're all eating wings, drinking whatever. Halftime show comes on. Beyonce does the the um the diamond, you know, the dynasty sign. Yeah. So, but that was like a big Illuminati sign, according to these YouTube videos we're watching. Right, right, right. So we're watching on this big TV in the quad. And as soon as she did it, Huffy turned to me. He was like, you see that? <laughs> they were pointing out to her. So then we get to work that night. So we go to work that night. I'm logging onto the computer. He walks in the office. He goes, go to Yahoo right now. So <laughs> open up Yahoo. And the headline was like, did Beyonce throw up a satanic? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were dying because, like, like I said, I was, that's a good Super And shout out, shout out to the Coonsan, shout out to the Coonsan Buffalo Chicken Pizza too. You know, uh, gotta gotta get that yeah. out there. But let's get let's get yeah. back on track here. Let's get back. Yeah, let's let's get back on track here. So, if you've been are, you know. So are the Suns going to win the NBA title? Listen, man, I don't know why y'all not more afraid that they are. They're <laughs> double. If you think like. Because I've been watching, you know, like I said, we watch this podcast all week. We talk about it. You know, we have our sports group, even though sometimes people don't talk about sports. Um, so when I saw the trade, I thought they gave up eight. Because I, I woke up like everybody else. Six you would have thought they had to. <laughs> as soon as I read it, KD, the Suns, I'm like, okay, they must have traded eight. And I looked, I was like. I was looking at my phone and it was early, you know. That's that's a couple hours early before I get up for work. And I was like, and I was like, they didn't give up Aiden. So I'm like, that means I'm like, did they give up Chris Paul? I'm like, they didn't give up Chris Paul. And I was like, yo, are you serious? Now who they give up? Kel Bridges, Camp Johnson, Jay Crowder, and like eleven picks that we have no idea where you <laughs> get the talent from to fill all those picks. So then I looked at them. Okay, so they got. CP3, Booker, KD, Aiden. You could put me out there playing the four, and I think you got a shot with those four in the start lineup, and then me, five foot eight, 41 years old, 
out of shape. And I still think they got a shot because of right, that. right, right. Or because they all do something different. Booker's your mid mid range young jumper, shooter, scorer, ball handler. CP3 is the floor general. Aiden is the the lob and dunk, rebound and dunk. Every once in a while, I post them up, and then oh, none of that worked. Throw it to the seven foot tall unicorn ball handling three point shooting <laughs> NBA champion finals MVP. You know, when your all-stars don't work, you just throw it to the dude who would have been on pace to pass LeBron by the time LeBron retired, because we did the math the other day. Mm-hmm. You got him out there. It's like, come on, man. It should be unfair. It's it's not quite Golden State KD, but it's close. Well, I think I think it's not that just because of CP3's age. You know, that's the first thing. You know, um, you got to do. Much. No, I know, I know. And with DeAndre Ayton, you know, um, I always wonder. I hope we don't run into another DeAndre Ayton versus Monty Williams situation. You know, so that's the one thing that I feel could derail them. You know, you got the whole chemistry thing. So whereas, like, say they matched up with a team like Boston in the finals, you know, I would probably favor Boston because they have that you know, ability together. They've been there. They've done all that, you know, but when I go back to our Dallas conversation last week, I don't see nobody in the West that like Phoenix is supposed to be scared of, you know, like, so, you know, I think they beat Dallas. Cause you know, I mentioned last week that Dallas or, you know, the other day, Dallas is going to beat whoever in the first round. They ain't going to beat Phoenix if they play Phoenix in the first round. But, <laughs> but with that being said, but with that being said, as I look at Phoenix and I look at the West, all Memphis did was go get Luke Kennard. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's a bad pickup because that's another shooter for them to put on the floor, you know, so that is a decent move, but that ain't going to stop that. You know, I look at Denver, right? They lost Bones Highland. You know, they traded him away. You know what I mean? So you lost a scorer or a shooter or whatever the case may be. And you definitely, Michael Porter ain't stopping KD. You know, like Aaron Gordon probably isn't quick enough to stay with him. So I don't know what Denver, you know, does against Phoenix, you know, unless they just plan on outscoring them. You know, I look at the Clippers, you know, now you might be talking to me a little bit. I get to see Kawhi guard KD maybe, you know, like I'm here for all of that. I still think Phoenix will win, but I'm here for it. But I'm here for it. You know, so so I don't I don't think that Phoenix is necessarily a lot to win the West just because of chemistry that we talked about. Like they only have 25 games left after the All-Star break. You know, I don't know if that's enough time. I don't know what the load management looks like with KD coming off the injury and all that. And, you know, like we look back at Brooklyn and they only played 16 games together, you know, so I don't know how many and games. Bill is baffling to me that they only yeah. play games. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know how many games they're going to get together as a full squad. I think they were like 15 and one of those 16 games. No, it wasn't like it. It was like 13 and three, I think something like, like that, but. It was, it was ridiculous. Here at DBA, if they would have taken the state together, it was ridiculous. You I know, for- but I will say, I know Brooklyn that you, the NBA. you you weren't necessarily as up on it as I was, but I like the moves that the Lakers made. You know, I like Mo Bamba. You know, thirty nine percent three point shooter at seven feet tall. You know, shot blocker to help AD out on defense. But the only problem is playing with that system. You know what I mean? Does he just become a spot-up shooter more than anything else? So that would be my... I that like D'Angelo. Worst use of a seven-foot-tall guy. It would. Nice. It would. I, they, I don't want them to turn him into Channing Fry. You know, um, D'Angelo Russell, I think, is a good player. I just don't know if I like the fit. 
you know, uh, with this particular team? He can't shoot. He can't <laughs> shoot. He's the number two overall pick. Um, and it just, it just, it, he never looks like the number two overall pick. Yeah. Like he doesn't look like, I mean, he doesn't look like a bust. Obviously, he's, he's had tons of success and he played on a lot of teams. I'm just, where is the, 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 the breakout? All right. Like, so- didn't trade it. So, so can I get something off my chest real quick? Okay, go ahead. Portland, what the hell are you doing? Listen, man, they ain't leaving. This dude has been the most loyal dude in sports. You know what I mean? And all I see, now granted, don't get me wrong, I do like the Matisse Thibault pickup just from a defensive standpoint, but he ain't helping out, you know, like in a real way. You know, y'all went and got Gary Payton the second, I was about to say junior. I don't want to be. I don't want to get it wrong. Gary Payton the second, you know, from Golden State, just to trade him back at the trade deadline for five second round. And what the hell is up with the five second round picks? But hold on, but hold on. But Portland, Portland, you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, there's teams out here that obviously wanted to make moves. You know, you could have got Mikael Bridges from Brooklyn. You could have flipped that, and then you gonna go trade uh, Josh Hart during warmups. You know, like, what is Portland doing? I'm telling you, man, like, I, we talked about this. I want to figure out how I get an internship in one of these offices so I can really understand because I don't – I can see standing pat because you thought, oh, I think we're good. A lot of these other teams are making moves. They're bringing in guys who might have been injured. They're bringing in guys who might have been, you know, quote, unquote, a cancer on their team. They're bringing in guys with 25, 28 games left. I mean – if you're a team like Memphis that didn't make any major moves, I don't believe Milwaukee made major moves. Uh, hey, hey, they got they went and got the one and only they, they Jay got Crowder, one, who ain't they, worth none of the second round picks that they traded it's for. Like everybody throwing a Super Bowl party, so you gotta get all your stuff. I think Milwaukee already had their wings, they had the chips, they had the sodas and everything. And it was like, man, we have any plates. Hey man, can you got some plates and some napkins, like cool. Here's some money. They ran out, got the stuff they needed. Now their Super Bowl party is set because they have everything. The Lakers were like, they they got a text at two o'clock. Like, listen, man, hey, we gotta throw this Super Bowl party. So let's scrap it together. So let's go get the wings from here. We're gonna get this from here. We're gonna get this from here. Hey, call this person. Maybe hey, with, with Jay Crowder, with Jay Crowder, the Bucks went and got the plates that like when the sauce drip on the plate, it seeps through the plate. But okay, with that with that yeah. thought in mind. With that thought in mind, what is the Lakers' ceiling? So they're, what, 13th right now. Like, what's their ceiling? I got the Lakers. I got the Lakers at 25 and 31. Mm-hmm. 6 on the 513th. Listen, man, the Lakers not. They they might miss the playing again. I, I, because you, they have chemistry issues. They have their... Their star, their their star is one of the oldest is one of the oldest players in the NBA starting. I'm pretty sure he's probably the oldest. I know Kyle Lowry's pretty close in age, and Chris Paul are pretty old. Yeah, I think Kyle Lowry's 36, but yeah, like yeah, uh, so you see somewhere in that in that range. So you got an aging star who <laughs> has a bad foot, but he knows he can't sit out the All Star game. He's the face in the NBA, so he's going to play. He's going to do stuff at the All Star game on that foot. Then you have your second guy that you wanted to be your first guy, 
you know, Reggie Miller made a joke that said every time. <laughs> every time he it, grimaces, he misses three weeks. So it legit could be, you know, if he if he strains something, like if he's like he said, I tweak my back, and they have a game, they got a Thursday and a Sunday game, and it's Tuesday. They can go ahead and set him down for a week. They already gonna they're not even gonna try to get him ready for the Thursday or the Sunday game. They're gonna be like, we'll see how you feel next Wednesday on that game, whatever the case may be. So LeBron and AD don't play a couple of games together. Those are losses. Like if you don't have. You can probably win without one, mm-hmm. maybe, but it hasn't been like that hasn't been the the case consistently where you can win without one. So if they don't play all these romantic games together, you can almost count any game either one of them misses as losses for the Lakers. Okay, that makes sense. I, it makes yeah. sense to me. I mean, so so um, out of the trade deadline, is there anything else that stands out to you? The in, like the injured stars, that that's one thing that stands out because like Luca's not playing, but then they make a trade to add Kyrie, CP3, Devin Booker's not playing. I think he might have just got back to playing. KD's not playing to, to after All Star break. Um, I don't know if the Clippers are going to start low managing. LeBron's injured. I don't know what you're going to get out of these, like, Zion, is he going to come back? He's not even playing the All-Star game. Exactly. So it's like, I'm not sure exactly what what we're getting, but I can, I, I can, I'm more likely, if I had to bet, I would bet that the Lakers 10th at best, twelve is like highly likely for, in my opinion. So, so if you I had the piece. I don't think those pieces really solve anything because you got the chemistry piece. Mm-hmm. So you so, either have to have all of them play with LeBron and AD, or you have to hope that if LeBron or AD doesn't play a game, that these guys that you brought in can mesh. Because you know they got you got to get them all integrated to your system simultaneously they gotta get in, integrated with each other and like so it's just i think it's just a lot to try to do 2018 Cavs when they made that trade and lebron went to the when he hit that fadeaway the same fadeaway he hit the um to the record-breaking um, shot yeah that same fadeaway he hit on uh jimmy butler and they traded everybody and then he, that team still went to the nba finals that guy was different that 2018 LeBron was different when he was getting grabbed by his shoulders and still hitting buzzer beaters. It was like, that guy was different. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't even want him to ramp it up to that level because it's, it's, that has to, that has to be so hard to sustain. Like I can't imagine the strain on your body as an NBA player, but I imagine trying to rekindle what you were doing five years previous. And I just, I just, I I see like, I see it working, not working. You know, I'm 60, 65, 35 on the, all the trades working. So if you had to pick a winner of the trade de- trade deadline, who would you pick? I got two winners. Okay. Boston and Milwaukee. Because everybody went west. So it was up to y'all two. Like, one of y'all 
representing the East. You don't have to worry about anybody else. So you basically just you just you just took two rounds of stress off by sending all those guys west. So I'm gonna say the big winners of the trade deadline were Milwaukee and Boston. Well, I'm don't laugh at me. I'm gonna say that the Clippers were the winners because I saw that Reggie Jackson and John Wall had the worst pull-up jumper percentage in the NBA. Both of them, you know, and they got rid of both of them and brought in Bones Highland and Eric Gordon. So, you know, I think that they improved shooting. You know, they got some spacers out there, you know, that are actually a threat. So, you know, you know, with the with the chance of sounding like a hypocrite, you know, I take back everything I said the Clippers will beat Dallas now. <laughs> Um, I, but, still, I don't have I don't have the I don't have the faith in 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 Paul George and Kawhi as a tandem to do what winning the playoffs for lack of a better word is something special. Like I don't I don't see I don't see them like locking in and facilitating that kind of run to where think, they another really good team. I think Kawhi like just woke up one day, looked into the mirror and thought he saw Shaq, you know, because I remember Shaq doing interviews talking about we're going to turn it on when the playoffs come. I have no doubt that we're going to turn on the switch, you know, so like Kawhi has this attitude of like, okay, regular season's here. I'm getting in shape or whatever the case may be. Playoffs are about to start. Now I got to ramp up, but then he gets hurt. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, LeBron and AD healthy, ready to go i can see them i can see them putting up 60 with a purpose like to win a game 120 to 117 i can see right. the two of them putting up 55 60 points right the dame lillard putting up 40 45 points in a game where it's like hey we need you to go we need you to go off Tatum they need that every right. night you know Giannis getting you 45 points 13 rebounds six blocks 10 for 11 for free throw I just one of these crazy nights KD giving you 32 points on 12 shots Kyrie just going off I can see all of that I don't have recollection of a game where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both went bananas regular season playoffs anything is like oh Paul George and Kawhi got you 65 points. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, if we had, like, a statistician or, like, some kind of crew in the back that could look it up, I don't remember hearing of them having a game like that. Definitely not in the playoffs. Definitely not when they blew that 3-1 to Denver. Exactly. So, but we have AD hitting a three-point to win the game against Denver in the bubble, and then LeBron coming back and, and playing well and getting finals MVP, or the conversation was, is AD or LeBron going to be finals MVP? Because they were both playing at that level. I don't see that with Kawhi and Paul George. So no matter who they put around them, I'll never pick them. Well, hopefully with these shooters now, you know, you know, I'll, the only reason I ever want the Clippers to win is just to, you know, give it to the Lakers fans. That's the only reason. Just to that. take your grandkids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just to tell my grandkids. I saw the Clippers win. It's just like I the Jets, the- right? It's just I'm like the Jets. I just want to tell somebody because last night, side note, you know, last night, 
the Jets got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You know, so yeah. I mean, hey, J E T S Jets Jets. Zach Wilson needs to keep his head up now. He Yo. Back. Yo, straight up, Jetropolitans, you are going somewhere. You know what I mean? Stay away from Aaron Rodgers, but you're going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what Brooklyn problem was. And I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I, what I say what I mean by that. Brooklyn was like the dude that normally doesn't get money and hits like fifteen hundred at bingo. Yeah. Now he'll not act with this money. Brooklyn has hasn't landed a good free agent deal since they moved from New Jersey. They did a terrible Darren Williams deal, the Paul Pierce. Hey, they landed Kyrie and KD. No, 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 no. They did not. They did not land the same thing with the Lakers. They didn't land anything. Kyrie <laughs> picked Brooklyn because they, it's New York, and they had cap space, and they had young talent. He then convinced KD to join him. The team has been sold like two or three times since 2010. Because that Russian dude owned it for a while. Jay-Z had a piece of it before the stadium got built. And all of a sudden, they're on another arm. How's the team? How many team? How many owners have the Kansas City Chiefs had? One. The Bengals. One. The so Giants. Really? One. So it's like, they're just they just poorly run. So what happens? They got Kyrie and KD and didn't know how to act. The Jets, you have offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You have a good staff. Don't go bananas and try to send... Four first-round picks to Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers because you so, think you're the quarterback away. So riddle me this. Riddle me this. What is Brooklyn doing? So, like, in general, you know, and I'm not a GM, but in my mind, if I trade Kyrie Irving and I trade Kevin Durant, we under construction. You know what I mean? Like, granted, we ain't going to get the number one draft pick or whatever the case may be, but I would imagine you're kind of starting over. Like, I don't know what grabbing Mikael Bridges, who I like a lot, you know, I don't know what that does. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you're like a treadmill team now, like, are you going to flip him after the season? And that's where I brought up Portland or Memphis as teams that could have made deals to grab him that could have fortified themselves. That they don't need, they have no use for because they're not in the mode to need those kind of players yet. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what the end state is. No one does. I don't think anybody in the building does. I don't know <laughs> understands what's going on with Brooklyn, hence why they've been sold multiple times, bought and sold multiple times in the last 10 years. Meanwhile, they had MVP James Harden, MVP KD, Big Shot Kyrie, all in the squad at the same time, and you couldn't get the right training staff together to keep them healthy and you trade away all your assets to get them, the, the Lakers did the same thing. It's just the, I think that the owners of these teams and these, like the big market versus small market, this is where I'll give you your small market, uh, where, where it has some kind of leverage in this argument. I think New York and LA increases the value of the team because of whatever property and everything else that's associated with the team. So deal you have with the stadium, whatever property you have, whatever the training facilities, whatever you own that's with the team, I think that boosts the value of the team. So I think Joe Sy, whatever amount of money, however he got his money, I think he's looking at Brooklyn Nets. It's like, oh, I, it's worth this much with these expectations that I need all these championships, everything else, so I got to do whatever. I'm like, no. 
you need to build your team. Like the team they had with KD and Kyrie, they could have ran with that. So the mm-hmm. Lakers, same thing. LeBron picked the Lakers. There's n- the Lakers did nothing as an organization to improve their team. That's why these big market teams are markedly arg- awful mm-hmm. because the owner still sees the bottom line. Tickets for Madison Square Garden, 200 bucks. Any, any night of the week, no matter where they're playing, minimum. If you want to get close, 400, 450, 9,000. Like, I mean, like the tickets are crazy. Same thing in LA, same thing in Brooklyn. So they're getting all this money and all the moves they're making for the actual basketball team are terrible. The way all the people that the Lakers hired, Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, Phil Jackson as a consultant when he used to be the coach of the team and dated the, like the owner, like, come on, like, you're supposed to get some neutral people in there that can make real decisions. Rob Lincoln was Kobe's agent. He should have been fired. But so where moves. So where does the vampire formerly known as Russell Westbrook end up? Yo, coming right back home to LA. Go be a clipper. I think if they buy him out, he don't have to move his kids, he doesn't move his wife, and he can be in that building getting busy. I'm still trying to understand why the Bulls didn't make a move. And then, you know, inquiring minds want to know, has Pat Riley woken up yet? You know, did he really sleep through a trade deal? That's what they're saying. You know, you know, that's that's what they're saying. But, you know, but anyway, I got another question for you. This is a different subject, though. I've heard crazy people tell me that Tim Duncan was a system player. Was Rondé Barber a system player? Because I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I was when he got in, I wasn't like, finally. We're going to get a lot of that. Because now the, the, the people getting in the Hall of Fame are people that we want to play as fans. We're not analysts like we can look at the stats on the end but right now you you can remember Rondé Barber's play you can remember Tiki Barber you can remember Zach Thomas you think like was he a Hall of Famer because we weren't getting all the games when we were growing up we just remember these players and if you weren't in the Super Bowl run every year the playoffs you really didn't get to stand out nationally until you know some time ago, like maybe like a 10 years ago where they started like getting more games on TV, Thursday night games all the time. You're kind of like stuck to whatever region. So I think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to feel underwhelming because you remember the nickname Revis Island, but Rondé Barber didn't have that. But if you're a Hall of Fame voter or somebody else, I think you'll be able to like see what you know, different lens, like like they're looking for Hall of Fame kind of caliber critiques and, you know, stuff like that. So I think yeah. that's what I was because I was looking last night. I was like. I, I was waiting for like the like the, the like the definitive like person to come out. Like I was waiting like maybe for like Reggie Wayne. Or like Dwight Freeney, I was like waiting for them, one of them to come out like Pat. Like I was waiting for like this. Like these guys that I kind of remembered, but like that were outstanding versus really good for a long time. Well, see, I okay. So pause. So was there anyone 
that walked out last night besides Revis, because I'm going to assume that you think Revis should have got in. Is there anybody that did walk out that you were like, okay, they got that one right? Zach, Zach Thomas, because you put me on to the information. I've just been kind of listening to you. Mm-hmm. You assessed it. You were like, hey, you know, his numbers are very similar to Erlacher, same amount of time he played undersized. So I was like, well, if you got a guy that went in first ballot and a guy who played it in the same time frame who was a bit disadvantaged because of size, whatever the case may be, but he still was able to put up. Like, I watched the little clip today. It's Ricky Year. He had 180 tackles in 16 games. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because in his whole career, he never finished lower than third in total tackles in the league. And for his career, he averaged 156.6 tackles a season. <laughs> you Nine know, um, tackles a game. And his lo- I need a game. In his All lowest season, in his lowest season, he had 146 tackles. You know, so when I peel it back, you know, because we brought up um, Erlocker, you know, um, he has more all first team All Pros than Erlocker. Just by one, five to four, you know, Erlocker has one more Pro Bowl, eight to seven, but he made, but, you know, uh, Zach Thomas made seven Pro Bowls. You know, um, he had more solo tackles by 140 while only playing in two more games than Brian Erlocker. You know, so, so that's where the Hall of Fame misses me because Brian Erlocker was a great player. Brian Erlocker is a Hall of Famer. I just don't see why the wait is so long between someone who was right there. And I know that it's more than stats. I'm sure marketability and reputation and all that. Because, you know, Erlocker was on those bare defensive teams that got to the Super Bowl. And, you know, so so that stands out, you know. So I mean, so it's easy to see why Erlocker got in a lot earlier than Zach Thomas did. I just don't know why Zach Thomas was still waiting. Yeah, a name that I saw, I saw Marcellus Wiley, he was on, I believe he was on the Dan Patrick, I saw like a short on YouTube, it was Dan Patrick, and he was doing the, the rapid fire, like how you and I have our conversation, he was like, said Reggie Wayne, I believe he said yes, he said yes to Reggie Wayne, he said no to Steve Smith, he said yes to Dwight Freeney, he said no to Robert Mathis, he said yes to Patrick Willis, he said no to Rondé Barber. But, like, I don't know when they recorded it, but, like, like I said, I saw it today, and I was like, well, he got that one wrong. But he's like, you know, he's like, it's almost, he's like, it almost feels like you have to be, you have to be disrespectful when you say someone isn't, because if it's close, then they're in. Right. He's like, he's like it almost feels like by you asking me yes or no questions, is like, No. It feels like you're being disrespectful to that person's career, and I was like, that's kind of sucks. Well, I but thought Patrick Willis. I thought Patrick Willis. I thought he had like, I thought he had a decent case, but as I look at, but see, I think I think with Patrick Willis, I think he has numbers as well. The problem with Patrick Willis, and I might be overstating it just a little bit, for me, he's almost Terrell Davis, where like he did it in such a short window. He was great, but he did it in such a short window that it's hard to put him in over somebody that did similar things for 15 years. Yeah, and he only played 112 games. So I'm looking at his numbers now. He played 112 games. He had eight interceptions, a couple touchdowns, 16 forced fumbles. Yeah, 
zero fumble returns for touchdowns. But his tackle total, rookie year, he had a visa combined. So he got 174, then he went 141, 152, 128, 97, 120, 104, and 34. Patrick Willis is in the Mike Wilson Hall of Fame. I don't know if he makes the NFL Hall. Of, I mean, I think he gets in eventually, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that he's a slam dunk. Behind, he's a thousand tackles behind. Wait, hold on. He is I, I'm eight, not, I'm not, I'm, he's 800 tackles behind Zach Thomas. And Zach Thomas played 13 years and got 1,700 combined tackles. Patrick Willis played seven and got 950. So he was on pace. Yes. You know, but, but it's, the, it's the biggie argument. four years. It's, it's the biggie argument. Like, he had two great albums, and they were really, really fantastic. But he had two albums. You know what I mean? I don't know what a third album, fourth album, whatever the case looks like. So, so Patrick Thomas, like I said, he's in my Hall of Fame as far as I've watched this dude play, and he's one of the dudes like at that position that stood had, out. The club was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Working at the club. That was, but, like, that was one of the first things that really made me noticeable. But me and you agree on Terrell Davis, you know, for the most part. And I just think that Patrick, I just feel like he didn't do it long enough when, so like, for example, right, for example, next year, next year, Julius Peppers is eligible. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do with that? He played. He played for so long. He's getting in. Julius Peppers is probably getting in. If he doesn't, Freeney's getting in, and then Peppers probably getting in the year after that. And I'm sorry, Devin Hester, but, you know, Phillip Rivers is eligible the year after that. I'm not saying I think Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, but I'm just saying. Ben Roethlisberger is eligible the year after that. You know, like, I don't know what Devin Hester going to do, man. Like, I, I don't think it's happening. You know, I've seen arguments both ways. I'm in, I'm always in the middle just because I know the impact that he had on the game. But when I think about the other punt returners that he was in that company, but it was people like Dion, like that were that excelled yeah. elsewhere. Someone that's strictly a punt returner, and then you essentially got to put them all in. Yeah, you got to get because my man Dan Megat, Dave Megat in there. Dave, uh, Mel Gray, F. You know Joshua Cribs. Cribs. You know what I'm saying. For- Corduroy, <laughs> like that's because that's the that's his company. So unless you you have to value that particular piece that they bring to the game, and I don't think you do because does it really change the game if a team has to punt it a different direction? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not listening. Like, hey, I'm, first of no, all, before you go any further, before you go any further. Realize that in the next two years, Marquette King is going to be eligible. So you watch your mouth and watch what you say going Man, forward. They, they, they just sent him out the door. Hey, Nothing. Janikowski is eligible in the next year or two, too. But yeah, go ahead. It'd be fun to talk about, but Adam Vinatieri's getting in. He's already in, right? If he was eligible, I'm sure he is. I'd yeah. have to go look back. And I think because the kicker, once again, you got to. You can't just be good, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just be good. And I think I think people in the Hall of Fame will feel the same way. And I think if you ask Patrick Willis if he had a Hall of Fame career, he would probably tell you no. Yo, all I know is 
all I know is. So, Dwight Freeney, you know, because I when we had the conversation offline, I told you when we when we first saw the finalist list, <coughs> I told you that either him or where we're going to get in. You know, not both of them. You know that either one we're going to get in, but I thought it was Freeney because you know. So Demarcus Ware, I don't want to take away from him because when you know looking at Demarcus Ware, you know he's top ten all time in sacks. You know, so you never want to take away, you never want to disrespect somebody that's on that level. You know, but when I look at Dwight Freeney, for example, you know, in his rookie season as rookie of the year, he led the league in forced fumbles and tackles for losses as a rookie. You know, so that's first of all, he made seven Pro Bowls. You know, he won a defensive player of the year. You know, he was a three time all pro. He was the all time team sacks leader until uh, Mathis came along. You know, uh, I just, he averaged a sack a game, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so when I look at it in his third year, that was, um, he averaged a sack a game, yeah. you know, I, I just, so, so I just, I don't understand. And, and this is where, you know, I guess where the limits come in, you know, like Dwight Freeney is a hall of famer. And it pisses me off because, you know, when we watch these shows, you brought it up before the whole like if I have to debate your career and, you know, like what's the difference between a first ballot and a third ballot, so on and so forth. Dwight Freeney is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like well, not according to the voters. Yeah. The voters can go suck an egg. Like, you know, at the end of the day, Dwight Freeney, is, he, he's he's a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Um, Reggie Wayne is probably a Hall of Famer. But like these receivers got a log jam. So I don't know. Do these dudes just sit around in a room and say, hey, we let T.O. in. We let Randy Moss in. We let Megatron in. Receivers were good for another two years. Like I said, it's. You we looked at those numbers. We looked at Johnson, Torrey Hole, Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith. If you think Steve Smith is a Hall of Famer, but you don't think Torrey Holt is, then or we'll reverse that. If you think Torrey Holt's a Hall of Famer, but you don't think Steve Smith is, and you get Torrey Holt in, he's gonna have an argument like my numbers are better than his. And you're just gonna let him in, and you're just gonna let him in off of the basis before Steve Smith as hey, so, he got a Super Bowl ring. So Steve Smith gets in. Or Reggie Wayne gets in, and they're like, oh, because he has a ring. Cool. And Andre or Andre Johnson's going to get in because I think people like him. And then Reggie Wayne's going to say, well, I got a ring, and my numbers are the same. And then Steve Smith's like, listen, I had Jake home my whole career, and my numbers are the same as these guys that had Peyton Man. And Andre Johnson's like, wait, I had Matt Schaub and TJ Yates. And some Tom other Savage. <laughs> and, and they were like, well, this guy, Torrey Holt, he had Kurt Warner. And the Holt's going to be like, I got a ring, and I was part of the greatest show on turf. I changed football. Yeah. You know, like like Reggie Wayne, you wouldn't have your spot without me because I was a blueprint. I was a blueprint second wide receiver that was putting up wide receiver one numbers. So I think if they don't, if the voters don't think all four of them are Hall of Famers, they're going to just be tied to each other, and they're just going to keep pulling each other down. And then the other people go definitively, offensive tackles, going. And I forgot all to mention – and I forgot to and I forgot to mention, I gotta say this real quick. I forgot to mention. And I'm sorry, Devin Hester, but Antonio Gates is eligible next year as well. So 
it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be tough sledding, you know, and I don't think he's going to end up getting in unless down the road, some kind of veterans committee, you know, sort of like Art Monk, who unfortunately had to wait a long time as well. You know, uh, Darren Woodson, I thought had a good case. Um, Comparing him to Rondé Barber brought up some interesting things, you know, where like, I think Darren Woodson deserved to get in. I'm not saying that Rondé doesn't deserve to be in, but I think that people remember to play against Philly. He played in the Tampa two. They won that Super Bowl with Brad Johnson as the quarterback. I think he got a little leverage with that. Now, granted, he played 13 seasons. He did make five Pro Bowls, so I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, he was a bum or whatever the case may be. But when I look at Rondé Barber, if you asked me, Mike, what does Rondé Barber mean to you? I would say, dude, if I had a son that was playing corner, I would love for him to study Rondé Barber. You know, but then I would, the next sentence would be, but he's not Charles Woodson. He's not Dion. He's not Rod Woodson. He's not, you know, Aeneas Williams. And I don't want to do that thing. I don't, cause I know you don't like that. I know you don't like that. But to me, the Hall of Fame is the greatest of the great. You know what I mean? So, and I'm, I, I got to do it. Just, I know, you know. So, yeah. so, 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 if I, so if I go Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, John Elway, you're like, Okay, maybe Elway's not their level, but okay. If I go Joe Montana, you know, Dan Marino, Aaron Rodgers, you're like, okay. But if I go, you know, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, one of these is not like the other. So people always say, well, you, of course, you're, cause you're comparing them to the greatest of the – well, that's what the Hall of Fame is. The Hall of Fame is the best dudes that ever played the game. So if I can't put you in the same sentence as somebody like Peyton Manning or Dan Marino or whoever that you grade on that top scale like that, then maybe you don't belong in the Hall of Fame. Like yeah, the quarterback's going to be tough. I think he's going to get his piece because he defended some of these these spread wide receivers and things like that. Um, but that's also going to make the case for guys like Steve Smith who played NFC South against Tampa Bay twice a year. Um, the matchups that he had with guys like Andre Johnson. And so people will say, well, I got the best of Rondé Barber in this game. I got the best of these guys and I have these stats. So I think it's just going to be a matter of who is going to. Well, see, Someone has to sneak, like essentially somebody's going to have to get, because what's going to happen, like I said, we're going to stop putting running backs in after Adrian Peterson because they don't run the ball enough. Unless you can think of anybody else. I know we saw Ezekiel Elliott's numbers are better than Terrell Davis, but Ezekiel Elliott's not getting an all of fame. In the same seven years, people are like, oh, not, they hardly run. He's Apparently he's no good as a running back, but his numbers are more substantial. Hey, Terrell than, Davis ain't lose his job to Tony Pollard. <laughs> even with that, even with lose his job, his numbers are still higher. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think there's any running back after Adrian Peterson that's getting in. So that's going to open it up. You, so you being disrespectful again. Who? Frank Gore, third all-time leading rusher. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I watched Frank Gore and thought that he was a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he the third all-time leading rusher. Of all the people that ever played football, you know what I mean? I, like, we'll, we'll go with that. So you got Peterson and Gore. 
yep. which is probably in the next three years or so. I think Peterson's about two years removed from the league. Then you got Tom Brady who just retired this year. So that means in five years, he's on the ballot. So that's a spot that's taken. Right. Oh, yeah. And sorry, Devin Hester, Gronk. but uh, Larry Fitzgerald's coming up too. Gronk's coming up. Gronk's coming up in two years. Two. Or three years. Three years. Did he play? He Did he play last year? Did he, he played get, did last he... year, not this year. Yeah. So you have four years off the ballot or five years? It's five. Yeah. Five. So he's coming due. So that's the spot gone in a couple of years. You, you know what made me feel old? Not that he's old or this is old, but for the fact that I think it's either next year or the year after Andrew Luck is eligible. Like, not that he's going to get in, but I was just like, damn, Tom is flying. Yo, I, I can't believe he retired at the game. Yeah, like I thought he was going to come back eventually. He was on the sideline when they made that announcement. They were booing him when he was walking up the field of the preseason game. That, the only thing that tops that is Vontae Davis retiring at halftime. Yo, he was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but yeah, like um, what, like what else stood out to you about the Hall of Fame? Like what about um, like I like it was great to see Eric Coriel get in. You know that was great. That was uh like, I like it, but. The thing was, um, I didn't I didn't know that they weren't in. So yeah. when they made the announcements, it was like, okay, so this is the veterans committee announcements. I mean, I know it's I know it's a big deal. Um, and I wanna like diminish it. I think I think those those men out there play played well and, and they played well for you know very long time. So I don't wanna diminish like their accomplishment. But it all it often feels like the conversation is who didn't get in versus who got in. And then as we progress through guys who played in this era that we are currently like absorbed in, it's going to be that conversation is going to be more and more every year to the point where either they're going to shift it to where more people get in because Mm -hmm. Eli, Phillip Rivers, Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Gronk, Tom Brady, all these dudes are all on the ballot at the same time. And it's like, we can only get eight of you in, and then you got to factor in, you got, you know, you have other offensive tackles, guards, defensive players that are definitive, like the Hall of Famers, other guys on the ballot. So it's like, it's going to be like a bottleneck. And then you figure Matt Ryan, say Matt Ryan's done this year, or Aaron Rodgers done at the next year, then he's in that mix. So it's just going to be a lot of bodies trying to get spots. And, you know, and all the young cats are going to be talking about, like, well, Joe Namath got in, so, you know, you got to let this person. Lynn Swan got in. It was a different game. It was a different game. And even if you believe that, and even if you believe that, two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. But all but all I'm saying is, you heard it here. for well, I, It ain't that big of an announcement. But if Antonio Gates don't get in next year, I'm, I'm on strike from the Hall of Fame. I ain't doing this. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like. Antonio Brown is going to be up for it. 2026, yep. His numbers are... His numbers. You know he ain't getting in, though. For, or if, if, he does, if he does get in, like, multiply what they did to T.O. times about, you know? Like. I mean, it's... it's they, They're going to have to make an actual announcement that says his conduct isn't conducive to someone that's getting in the Hall of Fame. You know, they're, somebody told me... Because other guys are going to get in from his era. I think Antonio Brown, I think last beginning of the last season, he hadn't played or like when he hadn't played for a while, they put up a stat 
he still had more receiving touchdowns than like every wide receiver. And he hadn't played like that was when he played the one game for New England mm-hmm. and didn't play for the rest of the season. And like I kept seeing that stock stat pop up. You know, somebody told me that he's better than Jerry Rice. What, what did they use to quantify it? They just said they just said that his dominance just looked better. You know, that he looked more dominant than Jerry Rice and he and that he didn't have uh he didn't have the all star team that Jerry Rice had around him to make his life easier. The Pittsburgh Steelers? Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers have been they've never been a bad team. Never. Because Mike Tomlin hasn't been under five hundred the entire time he's there and he was there the whole time Antonio Brown was there. So like they never had a bad team. And whenever they start out slow, the media still be trying to remove him. Man. <laughs> when he was 11 and 0, they was trying to get him fired. Like, oh, you know, if you don't win at all, you got to get fired. Like, so you mean to tell me this guy can win 11 games in a row and not win a championship? And it's like, nah, he's not the guy. He might be the best coach in the league right now. I mean, obviously, Belichick is still there, but I'm just saying as they're performing, as their teams are performing at the he moment. Said, he's like, I run the coaching. He's like, I'll draft the guy if they see his bad hand placement. He's like, that's coaching. I can teach that. There you go. There you go. So, you know, while we're talking about the NFL and we're talking about the Hall of Fame, let's transition a little bit. Like, so how do you feel about NFL contracts? Like, you know, like, are they are they good? Are they are players getting screwed over? Where are we nowadays? I mean, they should go ahead and make a deal with Sherman because those NFL contracts are no better than toilet paper. Hmm. I I the money, the money crazy like i said we'll pull up a couple here as we go back and forth the money sounds crazy but i'm just like what's real it's like crypto right it's like you sign a contract like we'll we'll start off just real quick with the Derek car saga that's going on he signed a contract extension last april they felt this play was substandard this season so now they're trying to cut him or trade him, but they felt so confident with him to give him this extension, like three years, 122 million, and then put a no trade clause in it. And then now he has, they, they put the roster bonus for like February 15th. So if he's still on the team February 15th, he gets like $40 million. So how do you feel that, you know what? Mike, next year, our our work relationship is so good. Our bond is so good. I'm going to promise you $40 million in 10 months. Because when we sign in April, like, all right, February 15th, we'll give you $40 million. To the point where January comes around, you're like, eh. Like, you promised me $40 million. Now, all of a sudden, you're just like, you don't know. And you, they, then they come to him and say, hey, can you extend the date so we can find a trade partner? He was like, I don't think that's the best thing for me and my family. No, because <laughs> if I'm on the team February 15th, you got to cut my check. Right. Like I said, it's just, it's just a very, it's very odd, very odd set of circumstances, like considering that they signed him to this deal. They signed him to the deal. And then because, you know, whatever you perform, you know, perform, don't try to snake me out of the deal. Don't try to do some, try to wiggle out of it. Like, oh, 
you know, let's let's try to trade them or cut them or rest them because it was an injury cost. Because if he would have gotten injured and couldn't mm-hmm. physical to join another team on February 15th, he would have gotten paid too. Because there's nothing because the NFL league the league year doesn't start till March 15th. Mm-hmm. He would have gotten injured in their last game. He wouldn't have been able to pass a physical March 15th. Even if he did pass a physical March 15th, he wouldn't have been able to pass one before then. So he was going to get paid no matter what. Right. So that's why they sat him. So now they're trying to extend it out because they owe him $32 million next year. <coughs> but the roster bonus this year, where is it at? Guaranteed $40.5 million. And they just don't want to do it. So, yeah, NFL contracts are bananas. I like that they're huge. Um, like, the Lamar Jackson deal is going to be crazy. The Patrick Mahomes deal is very team-friendly. But he can end up walking away with $450 million. I'm pretty sure they're going to extend it and, and, and switch it up. But it might be so team-friendly. And if he keeps up this consistency for the next five years, there's no reason why I don't see him not getting, like, the $210 million he's supposed to get over the next five seasons with bonuses which come every March for him. So his bonuses are $34 million, $40 million. Like his base salary was a million and a half this season, but his bonus was like 34 and a half. So he's getting a $34 million check to get him gear. And he's like, all right, man, go out there and play football for, you know, 80 grand a week. Yeah, that's why it was weird, because I was looking at Russell Wilson's contract. <clears throat> you know, he signed a $245 million contract. And, you know, his base salary was $2 million. You know, and, and his guaranteed money was 124. And I started thinking about it. And, you know, for me, this is the ultimate sport of lay your body on the line. You know, I don't know why we're at a point where we're still not at guaranteed. Well, I know the answer to that, actually. But, you know, we should be at guaranteed contracts. But what confused me was, why was Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed? Like, he had missed a year. You know, he had the whole, like, sexual assault <laughs> allegations going on. Potential crimes could be levied against him, and they still gave him a guaranteed contract. Yeah, so I started thinking about it. And I don't know why NFL players let these teams off the hook, you know, because I looked back. You know, I just, I just wanted to look at guaranteed contracts and guaranteed money and all that kind of stuff like that. So, you know, I went back to 1996. And I found a good tight end that the Ohio State University fans will remember fondly, Ricky Dudley. You know, he signed a fully guaranteed contract with the Raiders. And I'm so confused that I don't even know what city they were in at the time. You know, but he was playing for the, he was playing for the I'm guessing that was Oakland. Was it Los Angeles? It might have been. I, you know what? The Raiders, you know, they're nomads, man. The, they should call themselves the Las Vegas out. nomads. But uh, but I was looking at him, you know, and I remember Ricky Dudley because, you know, he played basketball. He was six foot seven, you know, like you would have thought that they broke the bank for him, you know, and especially from a fully guaranteed standpoint since, you know. Uh, but when I looked at it, he signed a five year. Eight point eight million dollar deal. That was the fully guaranteed. And and he gave up his signing bonus. Like, how do these teams get away with this? Because it used to be for the love of the game, and then they started having these CBA meetings, and players started getting a little, a little bit more hip to the game in different sports. Major League Baseball had their strike, basketball had theirs, 
the holdout, the lockouts, the TV deals started getting huge. And I think the NFL players are now realizing, like, all right, we're not taking these terrible deals, especially the quarterbacks. The quarterback, the quarterback money is ridiculous. I don't know who first started the two hundred million dollar extension. I don't know. Like, I know Josh Allen got two sixty five. I don't recall because I know well, Matt Ryan got some money, but it wasn't that. Yeah, Matt. But what I think what was happening is that they started giving these older quarterbacks crazy amount of money per year because the younger quarterbacks were getting four and five year deals. Mm-hmm. So Carson Wentz got like four one thirty. Jared Goff got the pretty much the same deal. Kirk Cousins got franchise tagged twice. Twice. And then got the eighty four million guaranteed from Minnesota. Yeah, that was and I believe that one was fully guaranteed. That was fully guaranteed. So that was that was twenty eight a year. So then when Aaron Rodgers was signing his deal, he would do a three-year deal, $93 million or something. Like that. Those aren't the exact numbers. So now Matt Ryan, when he does his three-year deal at 32, it's three years, $96 million. So mm-hmm. then you give Josh Allen his five-year extension, and the quarterback pay rate now was 33. So then it started like it was a weird thing where like the old guy – getting their money because the young guys were getting money so then the younger guys were getting more money so now Aaron Rodgers do something like 60 million dollars they talk about retirement he gets 60 million dollars next year yeah then we had this dumb conversation about Dak you know what I mean like for like a year or whatever it was you know like I was just like years he did like Jerry Jones did the same thing he 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 could have paid Dak uh Something like twenty nine million after he could have he could have paid Dak like twenty six or twenty seven million and then Kirk Cousins got twenty eight and everyone said like hey Jerry the new number now is at least twenty eight hey what's that old saying uh you know yesterday's price is not today's price yeah the price of the brick has gone up yeah yes but then the next day or the next year you had like Matt Ryan. He gets 30 million. And then you had Carson Wentz. They got 32 million. And then Aaron Rodgers was like, I want 34 million. And then Russell Wilson got 35 million. And Dak still didn't get paid. And it was like, listen, Jerry, the price of the brick is going up. And he held out and held out. And then Dak broke his ankle. And it was like, what do you do? Do you do you let him go? Yeah. And go get money elsewhere, or do you pay him because he sacrificed because he played on a franchise tag, which was getting him like 30 million. So then he signed and he got like 96 million days signed. It was some crazy number like that. 96 million because he got his base salary, his bonus, and then the bonus for the extension contract because he ran out because he franchise tag. Mm hmm. You know, Dak, Dak was about to take him to the cleaners. Dak was on some, you know, if a nickel bag gets sold in MacArthur Park, I want in, you know, <laughs> you know, since you want to be bringing up, you know, show references and stuff. But, uh, you know, but what got me, you know, was the whole, like, put the player's balls in a vice grip, also known as the franchise tag, you know, because, look, you either want to pay me or you don't. You know, you either want me to be a part of this organization or you don't. You know, now, in the short term, the player makes out because, you know, you get top five at that position. So for that season, 
you make a nice amount of money, but you don't get the long-term security. If you do get hurt, then what? You know, now they're going to lowball you or whatever the case may be. A lot of balls in that whole little, you know. But anyway, so so then so then when you look at it, you know, you have the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is basically like a restricted free agent where, you know, if you play for the Falcons, you know, Tampa Bay can come to you and say, hey, we'll give you five years, 200 million. And Atlanta can either match that so they get to keep you, you know, now they get screwed in that scenario because that was probably more than what they were going to pay you, you know, but, you know, if they decide not to match and you go on to Tampa, then Tampa's got to give them two first round picks. So it's like you don't want to do the right thing and you still want to get rewarded anyway. <laughs> that, you know? Wait, yo, when you said it that way, it's like, so you want to lowball your player because you know you have all the leverage. And if the player leaves, you're going to essentially, for lack of a better word, cripple the other team by – because a first-round pick, even if you don't use it as a pick, you can use it to move up. Like, say you get, you know, your 27 pick, you can use it to move up and get a guard or a tackle to protect this quarterback or whatever he's to play. Like, nope. Yeah. And this, pick. and this isn't the NBA. You know, in the NBA, you want that top three pick or, you know, whatever the case may be. In the NFL, a first-round pick is a first-round pick is a first-round pick. You know, you can still – get a great player at 27 or whatever the case may be. You can make a lot of moves if you have picks in the NFL in the first four rounds, if you have multiple picks. Yeah, like so then – The Jets. Yeah. yeah, so then real quick, and I want you to get into the um, – I want you to, to break down the comparison that you were talking about with the other sports. But, you know, but one of the things that alarmed me that stood out since we talked about Deshaun Watson earlier and you brought up Lamar Jackson was the Ravens owner – reaction to Deshaun Watson getting paid you know Steve Biscotti is his name and you know he went on to basically say why the hell did Texans do that because he knew that was going to put him in the ringer you know to have to pay up but you know but when I'm looking at this you know um, Lamar Jackson you know is in a situation now where he was hurt so Maybe he's lost some leverage, you know, because the Ravens can now come back and we all know it's BS, but the Ravens could come back and say, hey, Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl. You know, like what kind of leverage you think you got, you know, whatever the case may be. So I still so before Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl, I thought the Ravens were going to pay Lamar Jackson. But now I don't even know like what those negotiations even look like. They are going to franchise tag him. They're going to roll the dice. And they're going to roll the dice, make it on, I think, a couple of things. I don't have any inside information. Right. Joe Burrow's next. Joe, Joe Burrow, as an individual player and on the on the Bengals, Break it. has had immediate success. He was a, you know, pass interference call and a fourth down stop away from being Super Bowl champion. Like, that was a real thing. He had his team in position to win the Super Bowl. And then this year he was had his team in position again to go back to the Super Bowl. As far as playoff runs, that's more than what Lamar has done. Joe Burrow has said that he wants to take a team-friendly Patrick Mahomes kind of deal to ensure that they can keep signing weapons because he has a real bond with Jamar Chase. Like they went to school together, they went to that championship together. Like I think they're real, like legitimate friends. So I think he wants to look out for him. So he's going to get one of these $500 million Mahomes kind of deals. And then I think they're baking on the Chargers 
being historically cheap, just like the Bengals, because the Bengals are historically cheap as well, and not go crazy with the deal they give to Herbert. So then they're going to go back to Lamar like, hey, this guy's gotten further than you in the playoffs. This guy has more upside than you because I guess the negotiation that they're talking face to face. So Lamar's $300 million demand, the only, like, that's the rumor. Like, it, it's somewhere crazy. Like, it's something like, I read something today that they were, like, $100 million off. I don't know if that's, like, the total deal or like guaranteed money or a bonus or whatever. But, like, if you're $100 million off, I'm assuming they want $200 million, you want three hundred. Because if they're offering three two fifty, you're asking for three fifty. dollars then I'm like, that's different. But with everyone getting over $200 million and the price of the brick going up, I can see him negotiating like, hey, I want $300 million, $200 million guaranteed, whatever the case may be. But if these other two guys don't get that, so you have Herbert, Burrow, they don't get that. Lamar plays on a franchise tag. They get some 40-something million this upcoming season. And they don't have the numbers because not like they have a lot of weapons in Baltimore and they are getting a new offensive coordinator, whoever they pulled in, if they're still interviewing guys. But that's not a system that he's run. Yeah, and and that's Lamar's argument is I want an MVP in this situation. Yeah, his his argument is that yeah he he won an MVP and I think in a lot of ways that like Michael Vick would have been your MVP candidate. Just go out there and be spectacular, but he can't keep doing that if he's trying to sign a five mil five year two hundred fifty two hundred seventy five million dollar extension fully guaranteed. Like I said, I don't know what the numbers are, but yeah, and that's why and that's why they treat this as a zero sum game because using your Burrow example, like as team friendly as he may want to get, they still may lose T Higgins. Yeah, but I'm not sure if he's worried about T Higgins as so much. Oh, I know, I know, but you know, just because just... T Higgins is probably already out the door, mm-hmm. and then Burrow's contract is only going to kick in. I mean, maybe T Higgins, maybe they have enough to pay him all. Or maybe they just go maybe. get a guy to play a number two wide receiver. Maybe they, maybe they do a Miami Heat. You know, they all take a team-friendly deal. They take a team-friendly deal. But the problem is the team-friendly deals aren't aren't player-friendly deals for your other players. Their league-friendly deals are owner-friendly deals. But like I said, these billionaire owners, they can afford to break off another $30 million guarantee, considering that you're charging $14 for hot dogs. I know that money goes and stuff, but you're charging, you're charging enough money. You're making enough money. You're getting, you're getting a, a 32 way split of the TV money every year. You get a 32 way split of the revenue every year. So you're getting your money back as an owner. So if you want your team to be successful, then you'll make these moves. So, so, so what's the difference between like, say the NBA, you know, when it comes to matters like this? Okay. So if we look at, Kevin Durant, he signed his contract, his original one with Brooklyn with the Achilles tear. Then he signed a four-year extension. NBA contracts are fully guaranteed. So he, his base salary for 2022-2023 is $42 million. Then it goes 46 49 53 and the thing with the NBA contracts, they are bad for the team because they pay them less money up front 
and then pay him more money later. That's the big deal with the with Russ's contract. He got forty-eight million this year. I think when he signed the extension, it was like nine or ten million dollars less. Like in this in this KD case, it's going to be eleven million dollars more when he is four years older. That's wild. Chris Paul was like that. Chris Paul's deal is like John that. Wall. Mm-hmm. John Wall's deal is like that. So it was like Bradley Bill's deal is going to be the same way. Yeah, Dame, if I remember correctly, uh, one of years for Dame Lillard, I think he's going to get sixty million dollars. Yeah, I think one of the years for Chris Paul's like was like forty-seven million or something like that. Like as he was thirty-seven or thirty-eight as he is now. Yeah. So these deals are player-friendly, bad for the owner, but the owner because the popularity, if they want to just get out and cut you know, cut bait, they can sell the team for an inflated price because when the Clippers went for $2.5 billion, I remember reading an article in Forbes earlier that season that had them at $650 million as a value. Like, I don't think there was a single team that I could recall that was worth over a billion. So then when he had to sell and he sold for $2 billion, it's like, oh, he just, the price of the brick went up. So now I think Phoenix probably went for $4 million. Brooklyn, a four billion. billion. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn with the same amount of money when the oligarch when he bought them, I think he probably spent like over two billion, or at least wanted some change and probably flipped them for three and a half. So it's like the the the, the money is crazy. So but with the NBA, like I said, it's just because the players are the driving force of the NBA. They have that leverage because no one cares who the coaches are. In basketball, I want to say no one. Not as many people care about the coaches or the team. Like you talked about Rihanna earlier. Rihanna has Cleveland jersey, Miami jersey, Laker jersey, all say LeBron James on it. She's at every game, so she's a fan of him as a player. <clears throat> we are not implying anything. Nah, LeBron's smarter than that. <laughs> Good, good, wholesome family. And they will push a T said, but uh, yeah. so like, <laughs> um, so so you know, uh, what I was gonna say. So so next, you know, what about baseball? Baseball. So baseball contracts also are guaranteed, and they pay what they think they should pay you. It's not really a mark. It's not really market driven. It's not like oh, Harper is getting. He has a three hundred thirty million dollar thirteen deal. The next next free agent outfielder gets, you know, like they they go based off of what do you want to pay because they don't have a salary cap. So basically, it's like what can you and your team present to the owners and the owners present back and make you happy. So if you look at some of these deals, Mike Trout got 12 years, 426 million. And can't even get to the playoffs. Can't get to the playoffs. Aaron Judge got nine years, three hundred sixty million, so he's making forty million a year, only a nine-year deal. I can't even make the World Series. I mean, it's it's a tough. You know, baseball is different. They don't really play to get you, but like I know, I'm just getting they, some Yankee digs in there. They, they gotta sell. They gotta sell eighty-one home games. Like they gotta sell enough tickets for eighty-one home games. You have to. You gotta put money into these players in order to get people to the stadium. Because it's the summertime. Like, we went to a game in Colorado, man. I was sweating. sweating so bad. We had to sit up in the bleachers. And yeah. I went to when I was sitting in the audience. It was September. I was still sweating. It's like, it's hot, man, just sitting out in the summertime <laughs> watching this game. So it takes a lot. But 
their their contracts are they're long they're very long and it's it's, just, it's the same kind of premise as baseball but i mean it's basketball but they have the leverage because you can see their face nfl players with the with the mask on i'm a falcons fan six you know defensive guys could walk in i'll be able to recognize the three grady jared um i'll be able to recognize cow pitts Drake London, Ritter, the quarterback, Mariota, obviously. But Demir Bird, I like him. I don't know if I'd be able to be like, oh, that's Demir Bird from the Falcons if I seen him, you know, or the dude Chris Lynch from the place guard. I don't like he was one of the Walter Penn Peyton's man of the year. I couldn't point him out. And like I'm a fan of the team, whereas I can, I can point Mike Trout out. I know what Bryce Harper looks like, and I think that is part of like the leverage that baseball players and basketball players have soccer players the same way soccer player contracts are same thing they're owned by a lot of oil money people or like you know saudi princes or a lot just a lot of people to get their money involved in these sports because it's no cap so you basically just throw all the money i can at it just to be successful i'm a billionaire i want to spend 500 i want to spend a billion on this team and i want to do everything to make them the most popular team in the world because I can put that guy on any, I can put him on any advertisement. I can put him in any commercial. You can put Messi in any Gatorade commercial. You can put him in a Nike commercial or Adidas. I think he has a Nike deal. You can put his shoe in any sport. Like, you know, you can make it his cleat, that colorway. I mean, it's just so much you can do when you have a guy, when people can recognize their face. Football players are at such a disadvantage. And I don't think they negotiate as 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 vigorously as the other teams because they don't I don't think they have that leverage. And the guys who are the face of the league, your Burroughs, your Mahomes, your Brady's, they're rarely the guys that are also the president of the NFLPA. It's rarely quarterbacks that are out there arguing is always like your trench guys, Jeff Saturday, Foxworth, um, who else like those last two guys I can really recall, like I've ever seeing at meetings, mm-hmm. like really barking at owners and having these arguments quarterbacks don't do that tom brady i don't think he's ever president of the players association so i think the people who get paid the guys the big fish they don't really engage in the money talks as much as the guys who really need it and you remember that point that we were talking about earlier about the chris pauls and the john walls and all that kind of stuff like that kind of went in line when Chris Paul was the president. <laughs> so he looked out for the older guys there because I know in the NBA, there's a big thing about veterans feeling aged out, you know, to some degree with the young bodies always replacing them. So, so, you know, um, he was able to do that. And I know now, you know, you have Kyrie as the vice president, you got Jalen Brown as the president, you know, CJ McCollum's involved. So, so you know, they have a strong oh, sound. A note real quick on Jalen Brown. Like, he was, like, top of his – like, he graduated from, like, one college in, like, three years and went to another one that was, like, summa cum laude there. The people, yeah, he went to Berkeley. They – one of his knocks was, is he too smart to stay in the NBA? Like, teams were afraid to draft him because one of his knocks was, he's too smart to stick around. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, it was crazy because they were worried that he was just going to be like, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to recognize, like, this is the BS, and now he's the president of the Players Association. Yeah. Having that, have, having those conversations. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to pull the wool over his eyes. Yeah, and I was I was real 
I don't know if happy is the right word. I don't want to get us in trouble. But it was interesting to see him stick up for Kyrie the way that he did when that situation went on earlier this season. You know, um, where it was easy to just turn your back and join, you know, everybody wanting their pound of flesh or whatever it was. Like, yeah. he kept it, he kept it. A he, lot of people wanted their pound of flesh. Yeah, so so he kept it, he kept it pretty strategic of, like, I'm not necessarily defending what he did, but I know who this dude is. And he did, he did the same thing with Kanye. Yeah, like, I can't let y'all, like, just destroy this person. I've had personal dealings with this person, and I know that this person is not what you're trying to make him to be. I can't defend what he did in this situation. Like the act, what you guys are leveraging on him is false, and he and he said it, and he said it to the he he said it with intelligence, and then if you approached him, he would have handled it the same way. So you can't. It doesn't it doesn't move the needle when someone handles themselves appropriately. Like a friend of mine used to say, "Empty wagon makes the most noise." He's not one of those guys. He's somebody who's like, okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it out on social media. And if you ask me about it, I'll be able to articulate that same feeling as well to the point where you, you would be dumb to continue to ask me questions because it's like he just figured it out. Those are the kind of people you need in those positions. You need those 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 thinkers and people who, who, who want to be in a position and are great thinkers. Some people just want to be in a position for the sake of just leadership and the titles and the potential claim that comes with that. Because you can tell by some of these bad deals they had signed over the year. But this current NFL PA, you have to get the insurance portion figured out and the guaranteed contracts. Even if you put a cap on it, just like, listen, quarterbacks, we can't pay you more than $200 million. Cool. But that's the monetary number, $200 million. We go three years, $200 million, fully guaranteed. Let's go play football. I wish I could have been in the room when they had the conversation about the 17th game. You know, that would have been an interesting... Because they wanted 18. I remember Ray Lewis was against it. They wanted 18 games. Yeah, that would have been an interesting conversation to see. Game The 17th game generates a billion dollars for the owners to split the 32 owners. Just that one extra game. That's why they wanted the two games and they wanted to keep the four preseason games and still get the 18 games. And and the extra playoff team. Exit playoff teams. They just wanted as many games because at that rate, essentially, it's probably a billion dollars a week. And you just- saw they were well. You saw it, even after the Demar Hamlin situation happened, they were thinking about adding another team to this year's playoffs. You know, yeah, so teams out of thirty two teams, fifty percent of the league playoffs. Yeah, so so you know, and and on that note, you know, it was so great to see Demar Hamlin last night. You know, it was so great to see him speaking and just having a good time, being able to publicly you know, thank the people that helped save his life and just to see him walking around again, I think was real positive. And, you know, not even for the league in general, but just for like humanity in general. It was great to see him. I like they brought everybody out. Like they brought both staffs and the staff from the hospital. Yeah, it was emotional. I'm not going front. Like that was, that was like, cause I saw him lined up and I saw the mic and I was like, they better not have these people here. And he's <laughs> not. But if they bring him out, I'm like, man, I know him here, but if they bring him out, I'm like, here it come, here come the waterworks. Ever since I have, ever since my son popped up, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and you're like this, you know, you, you got to wipe your whole face with your hand. Yeah, and, and hopefully, and, and hopefully that was a moment that even the Cincinnati Bengals can't be mad anymore. Yo, they probably still gonna do the coin toss. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> did a did a uh, CPR celebration. Yeah, that was the Steelers. Yeah, and and so so I defended the Steelers when they did that because 
that wasn't the first time that the Steelers had done that. You know what I mean? That was something that they had done throughout the season. The timing was just awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Scratch that. That should have been Mike Tomlin knows. He probably listen, man. Now you got to come with something else. Yeah. Some jumping jacks or something. Some high knees. It was kind of a different kind of celebration. But. I'm telling you, man, if Cincinnati do another coin toss touchdown celebration, I'm not watching any of their games next year. You know what I mean? Man, like, it's, it's over with. But Cincinnati games, they're going to be on Monday Night Football. <laughs> it's going to be somehow they're going to figure out a way to get a rematch between Kansas City and Buffalo and Kansas City and Cincinnati. I don't know, like, what schedule, how they're going to do it. <laughs> they're going to have... If Demar Hamlin comes back, that game's gonna be on TV. You're gonna get a Miami Kansas City somehow. You're yeah. Get... Who else? If Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets, you can go ahead and book yourself a Green Bay New York Jets game. I don't know how they're gonna make it work. They'll figure out. Like that's why they got that 17 game. I think for that kind of just stuff. For the story, just for the storyline moment. Storyline games happen. We yeah. We can make another Broncos versus Seattle game if they yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. Got to do a do-over because last year was terrible. So what's the uh, what's the storyline that you want to get off your chest? I want to, you know, I want to give out flowers because we normally, you know, we normally have like something that bothered us. So I'm like, I want to give out some flowers to uh, the guy that's been getting his flowers all week, uh, LeBron James. You know, the guy hit the fadeaway jump shot. With his, you know, his kids in the pictures. Like, I'm gonna say this. I think he went into that game like, I'm doing this tonight. I need y'all to sit in the hoop because it was Bronny, Bryce, and Phil Knight sitting in the hoop. Funny thing, Bronny and Bryce were both wearing Jordans. Sitting next to Phil Knight. Uh, you gotta check out the trailer for Air, Matt Damon, Viola Davis, Ben Affleck. I think it's going to be a dope movie. Check that trailer out. They're obviously not paint, but check the trailer out. Um, I like the shot choice. I like Brian and the paint calling for the ball. That just that just makes me chuckle every time. But what I don't like, I don't like the GOAT talk. Because if he didn't make that shot, and you said, well, if he would have made that shot, he would have been the GOAT, then like, that doesn't make any sense. Similar to my championship argument earlier, I'm consistent with many things else. Uh, I didn't like the people. I saw a meme where it had when Jordan shot the jumper over Brian Russell Russell against Utah in the Delta Arena. And then the the Brown pitcher, like, look at all these people with their phones out. Like, there was no cell phones in 96 when he hit the last shot. Like, stop it. Like, that's that's not a thing. So, like, that was bothering me. Or, like, with some of the comments, that's the only thing that was bothering me. But ultimately, man, it's like, it's just, if you... If you think about how long you have to play a sport and at the level you have to play it to score that many points, when basketball pundits, players, other legends that play with Kareem were like, oh, this record will never get broken. Like we have, we've had this conversation about Tom Brady's yardage and touchdowns for Super Bowls. Like they'll never get broken. Imagine we're 70 and somebody's about to win their ninth Super Bowl. We're just like, what? Like, I remember we had this conversation in 2023. It was like, no one's going to get the nine. He's like, you got a guy. No one's going to get the seven. Or no one's going to pass LeBron. Like, we have these. No one's going to pass John Stockton. We can say all of these things. And at some point, some maybe they will. 
so it was good to to see that and watch that game play out. So yeah, I just want to give flowers to a uh, all-time scorer leader in NBA history. Already has the playoffs and total points and everything else. It's just you know, forgot it's not a score. It's pretty dope. Congrats, LeBron. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. so, you know, I was stuck today, you know, because I had all this rage inside of me. And it was fitting that Raph decided to give some flowers because, you know, I want to give some credit to some people. You know, um, this week, the NBA trade deadline came up. Kyrie Irving was on the move. You know, a person like me said, well, hey, what's Brooklyn going to do to get somebody else in there with Durant? And then little did I know, you know, Brooklyn said, hey, well, maybe Durant said, hey, <laughs> get me up out of here. <laughs> so so as I was asleep, you know, I got a text message at about 1.15 in the morning from my homeboy, Chris Labby, shout out Colorado Springs, you know, text and all the text said was KD to Phoenix. Wow. And, you know, I'm, like, wiping my eye. I'm like, what? what? Like, whatever. I lay back down. But then that sports person in me was like, hold up, what? I jumped back up, got on Facebook, got on Twitter, got on TV. And I was just like, whoa, what just happened? So the reason that that stood out to me is because you've heard me mention a few times on a few different episodes that I fear nobody in the West. You know, John Morant didn't either. But then they started getting their ass whooped. So maybe he has a healthy respect at least now. You know, against the West. But you know, but you know, but I looked back at it and I said, you know what, Phoenix Suns, congratulations. Because even if you don't win the title this year, even if you don't win the title next year, you went out and grabbed the brass ring, so to speak. You know, there was an opening in the West, no dominant team, nobody that stands out. And you said, hey, you know what? We're going to get somebody that we believe can put us over the top and put us in a position to win the championship. Because guess what, Memphis? Luke Kennard ain't going to do it. You know, I told you I love the Clippers moves, but getting Eric Gordon and Bones Highland might not do it. You know, so Phoenix, congratulations on having the foresight and the ability to make the phone call to Brooklyn to go get a top five player in the league. You know, that is at the very least the best player in the West at this moment. You know, when he comes back from injury, at least, but maybe not at this moment. But, he, you know, he'll probably be the best player in the playoffs, you know, unless Steph decides to stop getting hurt. So, Phoenix Suns, I don't know if you're going to win the title this year, but I'm going to be watching. And I think that you have a very good chance. So, thank you for not sitting by idly while bum teams like the Chicago Bulls show us why they're the bums that they are. So, you know, thank you very much for adding excitement to this season because I think I love watching the NBA, but I think I feel like this year has been a little quiet. So, you know, thank you for bringing that spark back. You know, I wanted to get that off my chest because, you know, I wanted to show that I have the ability to be positive, even though I still got some digs in there, too. But, you know, Phoenix Suns, congratulations. Thank you, Phoenix Suns. But yeah, you know, so here we are at the end of another episode, you know, like any parting shots? Now I'm just, I'm excited for, I'm excited for this weekend. I'm excited to start figuring out like, you know, these draft prospects and who they're going to highlight and, you know, who they're going to be talking about for the next couple of months. 
believe the draft this year is in Kansas City in April. I have a friend who lives out there. I might need to do a boys trip. I'm trying to do something every month. People go out there, do something every month for yourself. Some for yourself, some with your family. Go out there, go somewhere. We can take some good pictures. You know, this month to me, I'm like, I'm going back to Utah. Next month, I'm heading up to Vermont. Then I need something to do for April. So April might be the draft in Kansas City. My friend just bought a house, got married. So, you know, you got to find time to find joy in, the, in these in these times. Um, this is something that brings me joy. We, we, we talk about it all week. We plan it all out. And we're still able to live our lives and be with our families and do our jobs. But having this time, you know, this we set up about three hours, you know, a couple of times a week to just have these conversations and we're just recording them, you know, so find your joy. Um, enjoy yourself, man. We're, we're above ground, breathing this oxygen. Let's have a little fun while you're up here. So yeah. well, do that. Follow me. Um, on Instagram, the Brooklyn Winners Initiative. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. You can follow the Sports Reports is Order on Instagram. You can follow me at Twitter, Fear My Wrath. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm out here just, just having a good time. I'm having, having a good time with my friends and family and just, you know, appreciate everybody sharing this, um, watching the videos. And so I'll all right, and you can find me on Instagram at mldub25. You can find me on Twitter at 2BitReports. You know, um, I appreciate the statement of joy there because, you know, that's something that I struggled with for a long time, you know, being in the military, deploying, and all these opportunities that were great times. We met some great people. It did take away just from life, you know, from the standpoint of being able to enjoy. So it's nice to let your hair down, you know, like, just have fun. You know, it's okay to have fun. You don't have to save the world all the time. So, you know, thank you everybody for tuning in, you know, please share with your friends, please like, and subscribe on YouTube, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And before I go, shout out to the hometown Baltimore, shout out to Alexandria, shout out to Masawa for holding us down. You know, I appreciate that. You know, shout out to Red Bull. Shout out to Tom Fernelli. Shout out to Chip Patterson and ESPN. Real quick, ESPN. Pay my girl Mina Combs. She's earned it. You know, Mina, you don't take any less than you deserve because you deserve the world. ESPN, you could pay us too. And you could pay us too, ESPN, <laughs> while you at it. You know what I'm saying? Fox, CBS, holla at us. You know, but we out of here. It's Friday. Super Bowl is on Sunday. Raps got the Chiefs. I got the Eagles. I really want the Chiefs to win because I'm a Commander fan. But, you know, I just had to, you know, look at the numbers and everything. We are out of here, and we will see you on Tuesday night. Peace.